For those of you who have been sentenced to stay here with me, you're going to be in 1 John chapter 4 this morning. Y'all look like y'all are happy to be in here with me. Are y'all even there? Are you, come on, now a little life here. Has all the fun been sucked out of the room because Katie got all of her stuff? Now y'all just got to deal with me till lunch? Is that what it is? That's pretty much what it is. That's it. All right, so we're studying and looking about, and we're talking about for this week, last week, and a few weeks ahead that we're going to be uh, looking at love. What is love? And we're defining that. So we looked last week and we saw that love comes from God, right? It's not something that originates with us. So within us, we don't have love. Love is a fruit of the Spirit of God. So when we look out in the world and when we see all the stuff that's out there in the world, even though some of it we might can count as good, it is not love. In other words, we cannot find true love from the things or situations and circumstances that are in this world. And so 1 John 4, 7 and 8 tells us this. I'm going to give you verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And everyone that loveth knoweth God. All right, so everyone that loves knows God. There, there's, a, there's an intimacy that we have that can come only from our relationship with God. Can't come anywhere else. We've heard of this and we've spoken about this before. A God-sized hole that's in our heart. There's all this stuff that we try to fill in that hole, but the only thing that can fill that hole in our heart is God. Without God, we don't have those things. So today, I want to continue on with us and look at what it says in, in 1 John verse 8. Chapter 4, verse 8 through 10, it says this. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. By this, the love of God was manifested in us, that God sent his only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through him. And this, this, this is love, not that we have love, but God, that God loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. So as we break this down, we see the first thing that we see is that the one who does not love does not know God. So what does this tell us? Love becomes our identity. So you and I must be able to be identified in the world to separate ourselves out so that people can see who God truly is. Then you and I must be the manifestation of love to them. Not because we're the greatest personalities and the greatest lights in the world, but because Christ shines in and through our lives. Why? Because the world does not know this love. In other words, there's, there's no way that they're ever going to get this without us. Does that, does that help you understand how important you are in this world and for the kingdom? It's not that that God can't just manifest himself up in the heavens and help everybody to see. But I want to tell you this. The end times tells us that he will do those type of things and they still will not respond. So the world is the world is the world. And so the Lord could, have, could manifest himself in the heavens right now and speak to the entire world and people would not believe. But I will tell you this. We live in a culture today where what happens to you and your life has meaning to other people. So when we come in contact with other individuals, what brings life to them is the life that you can bring through your life in Christ. 
So this must be our identity. Are we known in the church for love? No, we are not. We are not known for love in the world. So we have got to change what the world's, not perception of us is, but what our identity is. So the things that go on inside of our lives, the situations and circumstances that we individually go through, we have to know that the Spirit of God gives us the power to be able to deal with that. But it is God and God's love that must shine in our lives and through our lives for us to actually have an importance in the world. And that brings us our identity. Our identity is not found. How many of y'all have these? Uh, and I, have, I still have these. I'm, I've got boxes now that I've, uh, you know, 25 years in the business world and all these other things where you finished this course and you, because you completed this course, your company gave you this little award or whatever thing that, you, that you completed this, or 25 years worth of, or 10 years or five years or 20 years worth of service to this, that, or the other. Is that what you're known for? Are you known for plaques and trophies that you have accumulated in some box that's down in either your basement or your attic? Is that what you're known for? Is it a degree that hangs on your wall? Is Katie going to be known for the rest of her life because she's a graduate of Tacoa Falls College? I, that's a great and wonderful thing. But I can tell you this right now, I can't even tell you where my diploma is. My mom had it framed, and I don't know, it's in a box somewhere, and, and I've got it somewhere. But I, it's not like hanging on my wall. I don't even have my uh, master's degree for, for seminary. I don't know where that is either. It's in a box somewhere. In other words, these things are not th hanging up all over our wall. They're not trophies for us to be able to keep. Our lives are not found in these pieces of paper. That's not who we are. Our identity is found in the love that we show. Why? Because it's the love that remains, remember? The greatest of these, faith, hope, and love, and the one that remains is love. If we don't have this, then we have missed what our job is here on this earth. Do you remember mean people? We do, don't we? Do you remember people that have wronged you? Sometimes it's hard to forget, and sometimes it's hard to forgive. Do you remember people who've loved you? Do you remember how they've shown that to you? If I were to go around this room right now, we certainly would be late for lunch if I asked you to give testimony of someone who's poured in love into your life. Because I'm sure that we would be speaking up and we would talk about parents or family members or teachers or, or friends, co-workers, who've done things that what? Have spoken to our hearts, spoken to our souls. So know this, love becomes our identity. That identity is only going to come from God. That identity cannot come from anywhere else because it's only given to us by God, all right? John chapter 13, verse 35 says, says this, By this all men will know that you are my di disciples if you have love for one another. Church, church, please hear me. We have to get along with each other. If we cannot get along with each other, there's no way we're ever going to be a love light in the world. 
Look at 1 John. 1 John has two themes. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. That's how it starts off. It's a light. God is light. The end of that book, that whole 1 John, is all about love. Two, three, four, five. All of those chapters are about, about love. In other words, he begins telling us about the light that comes from God, and then it manifests itself in our lives through love. If it doesn't come out, then our beacon is being hidden. We are not a lighthouse in a dark world. We're part of the problem. So we have got to turn our love light on. We've got to let the world see that you... You will be known as a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ by loving one another. You will make a difference in your co-workers, your family, your friends, all of those who you come in contact You're going to make a difference in their world by being a love light. And it's not something that you're going to learn. It's going to be something that you're given it's given to you by God through the power and manifestation of His Spirit. So, for the one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. By this, the love of God was manifested in us that God sent His only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through Him. So not only does love become our identity, and that comes from God the Father, love becomes our life. Paul says this, in Galatians 2.22, he says, it is, I, I, it is no longer I that liveth, but Christ that liveth in me. So if love becomes our identity, then love becomes our life. It's what our life is all about, to love those who are around us, who God puts us in contact with. Does love mean like? Love is greater than like. Do you get that? You may not like me, but God says you got to love me. That is. That's what gets us through all of this. Meaning this. People in this room have different personalities. I don't know if y'all know this or not, but people have different personalities in this room. And they're not all the same as ours. In fact, some personalities are antithesis to other personalities, okay? Like, I'm going to give you mine here. I'm, I'm what's called um, a DI, all right? I'm a dominant personality, which means I'm a leader. I don't mind being out front, all those type of things. But an I personality can also be called an otter or something like that, in, depending on what test you're taking. And what are otters? Otters just flip around the water. They're just having fun in life. You know, they, they, so in other words, I like to lead, but we want to have a good time, do we not? I mean, good time is what this is all about. So there are people who are very, what's called conscientious, all right, if you're in a disc. Y'all are the high C's. So the high C people are great people. They're accountants a lot, you know what I'm saying? They're the being, they keep things in order and make things go step by step by step. You know what they actually do to Tim Hunter? They suck the very life out of him. 
Because I want to get to a place, and I want to have a good time, but then I meet these C people, and they're high C, and they go, but we need to do this, Tim, and we need to do this, Tim, and we need to do this, Tim, and we need to do this. And I'm going, man, where's the fun in that? You know what I mean? And so there may not be the greatest like-mindedness in the sense of our personality types. But there is like-mindedness in the fact that we need both of those. I don't know if I've ever told you this story, but in our first church plant, there was a couple, and we met in their house. And when we first started, they came from one of the partner churches. We really didn't know them. We just, how's that? You know what I'm saying? Hey, we're going to start a Bible study in your house. And by the way, my name's Tim Hunter. Hey, you know what I mean? This is not friend. This is not family. This is an area we've moved in. We really didn't know these folks. Well, guess what? He was an engineer, all right? Very, very smart guy. And she was an introvert. So, in walks Tim Hunter into their house. So, yeah, can you, they're going, Ward, what have we gotten ourselves into? Can we stop right now? Because he's a very detailed, when are we going to do this? How are we going to do this? When are we going to do that? And I'm like, look, brother, let's just have a good time. You know what I mean? And I'm not exactly sure. And she was an introvert, so I'd say, who'd want to pray for us? And she'd go, well, there's only four of us in the room. Can one of y'all pray? I've been praying on. So when we started, like, man, I don't know how in the world this is going to work. We're in a Bible study with five or six people. It's me and Tamara and these two folks who are the very opposite of me. But over the course of the next couple of years, they never left. They never left. Six years we were there. They never left. They had plenty of opportunity to leave. They could have just gone back. Other people came from the, the sponsoring churches, and they stayed for just a little while, and then they went back. But we would have these Bible, the Bible studies always stayed in their house. And they became these amazing people. And I can remember one night we went over there, and I was, have y'all, you know, I don't know how to say this. I don't want to brag about it, but sometimes I get in the zone. Have y'all been here on Wednesday nights when I've been in the zone? When I'm in the zone, man, they're just flying, aren't they? You know, the one-liners, the little zingers, the jokes. You know, I'm just kind of feeling it. And that particular night in Bible study, I was feeling it. And these two people were just laughing up one side and down the other. And at the end of the night, he came up to me and he said, I want you to know that we've been married for so many years and we have never laughed like that together. You see, we need each other. I needed them for discipline, order, help me stay the path and walk the direction that we needed to go as a, as a body of Christ. And they needed me for what? For, for entertainment. <laughs> That's right. For fun. And so we needed each other. And when we look past all, because, I mean, we could have walked in there that first night, and they could have said, no way, man, not in my house. This guy's a joke. And I could have gone, wow, there's no way I'm ever going to break through to this couple. They're never going to get me. 
But that's the whole point. We don't have to be the best of friends to experience the love of Christ and and what it brings to us. We talked about this last week. It's intimacy. Remember, this love relationship that God gives us is intimacy. That intimacy makes us a light in a dark world. It becomes our identity. It's what sets us apart. If we're a light in a dark world, everybody's going to be able to see it. And then not only is it something that is seen, it actually becomes the very essence of our lives. It becomes who we are. It's not a birth certificate for us. It is a spiritual certificate for us. It is only going to come through this relationship with God. People can't go buy this. You can't go buy personality. You can't go buy extrovertedness or introvertedness or what, all the other aspects of who we are. It's how we're wired. And we need each other to bring out the fullness of this. God gives us love because love comes from us. I mean, comes from him to us. Our relationship with Christ brings that love into a life relationship. It gives us a love life. This world does not have a love life. This world has a lust life. In fact, John hits all of this. Go read 1 John chapter 2. All the things that are in this world, lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, and the pride of life. So John covers all of this before he goes in depth. He's telling us what's out there. This is what the world is after. It's after what it can see. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, pride of life. Commercials. Don't you love them? No, man, you hate them. Boy, why in the world, why in the world when you go see a movie, is there a popcorn commercial? Why? They want you to get some popcorn. And your flesh, you go, hmm, tomorrow cannot sit in a movie theater seat without having popcorn. It's just an automatic. In fact, if we're going to watch a movie at the house, I put old Orville Redenbacher, man, I put that whole family, man, whatever millionaires they've got, it's because of us. Because we bought that dude's popcorn forever and ever and ever. And she cannot sit down and watch a movie at all without a bag of that. And our flesh responds that way. I can't walk in that place over there without eating a piece of chocolate. There's got to be chocolate over there. The fellowship hall is just synonymous with me with chocolate. In fact, there's some up here up front right now. There's a bag of M&M's, and before I walk out of here, those are going to be mine. (laughs) I've been watching to see if any of the kids took them, and I kept going, they're getting suckers, thank goodness. Because if they grab that bag of M&M's, we might have to have a come to Jesus (laughs) with somebody's child. See, there's lust of our flesh. There are things about us and who we are. And then in, in our flesh, in our eyes, in our we got to have those things. And that's the world. Because the world tells us that when you have this, you will be fulfilled. 
do you actually know that there is no <laughs> nutritional value to popcorn? And I bet you there, there yeah, whatever. They, they say that that's some of the emptiest food that you could ever eat right there. That's well, empty cow. When, and listen here. Chocolate is doing me no favors, is it? It is doing me no favors whatsoever. Except to satisfy the craving that I have. But really what it does is want, makes me what? Want more. So the other day I was out, I was outside in the yard working real hard. And when I came in, I was at my mother-in-law's and I opened up her little refrigerator she has in the garage. And there was every kind of soda that there was. There was no water. It was all soda. And so I got, got me a fan of orange. I told her that I took it later. And so she knows that there's one missing. And I drank that bad boy and I went back out and started cutting grass. And the whole time I'm going... All I wanted was what? Another water or Fanta orange. Because it did not fulfill me whatsoever. It just made me more thirsty. That's what this world does. See, this is what I'm talking about. When there's life in us, it is life abundant. That's what Christ said. Christ said, I came to give you life and give you life abundant. So there's an abundant. He sustains us and keeps us by fulfilling us so that we don't have all of those lusts or that we can overcome those lusts. And the very things that can cause us problems, he, he keeps us away from that because he supplies all of our needs according to his great riches in heaven. When they come up, he meets them. We don't have to go out into the world and try to find something to fill that in. He fills it. That gives us life. It gives us something that this world cannot provide for us, cannot even give to us, cannot be created by the world. Here's the other thing, too. I just want to touch on this. We're getting very close. We're, we're taking genes and, you know, and we can splice them. And, you know, we, we, we're thinking we're, get, we're getting close to where we think we can create. But we can't. They might can go in and doctor up your gene pool so that people will have hair when they grow older, and maybe your gene pool says they won't, or maybe it can figure out how my, you know, folks that follow after me won't have this area right here. And, you know, I mean, they might be able to splice, but it's, it's not create. Because they cannot create life. Because life does not come from that. Life comes from God. And look... We're fighting right now, and I'm just going to step on this, and I'm going to keep right on going. With all these legislations being passed by the states in the next few, we're trying to define when life begins. I know that there's a lot of stuff that's going on, and there's a lot of things that's in there that everybody may not agree with and all that. But, but really, when does life begin? We're getting there. That's what this is being pushed towards. It's going to the courts, and somebody's going to have to say when life begins. And then when somebody says at eight months that you can still take that out and be done with it, is that murder? Is that a life? When is this life a life? So we have all of this that the world comes in, but God gives it. We cannot create it. 
John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. John 17, verses 22 and 23. This is really the prayer of Jesus. John chapter 17 is the Lord's prayer. We, we read the Lord's prayer, but really what that is for us in the Beatitudes is where Christ is showing us how to pray. The Lord's prayer for us is found in John chapter 17. It says this. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, just as we are one, I and them, you and me, that they may be perfected in unity, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them, even as you have loved me. So catch this right here. So here's the love connection that we have together. It comes from God through Christ. Christ, and then in turn, gives it to us. And then he says this, that that love relationship actually brings unity to you and I. So when the world is wanting to be all about individuality and about diversity, God is saying we need to unify. We are one. And it goes beyond color of skin. It goes beyond what country you were born in. It goes beyond what sex you are. It goes beyond all of that. Because it brings unity to us. That's why he tells us in marriage, the two of you, what? Leave your mother and father and cleave to one another. That actually means it's beyond gluing. It means you become part of each other. Have you ever glued something together like that and then tried to take it apart? What happens? There's pieces on each side. that come, You can't fully do it. It's not fully restored into its individual self. Why? Because there are parts of you that are in and with each other. You become one. That's what that cleave means. We're bonded together, which is the last point. Love becomes our life. Love becomes our bond. I have been gone from Horizon Fellowship since 2005. And yet I still tell you about a couple who had an impact on our lives for six years. Brad and Tanya Wilson. They had an impact on us. Why? Because there was a unity, there was a bond between us as brothers and sisters in Christ. And though we're not together anymore on Sunday mornings, for years, I don't know if it, that we've moved so much now, but we used to get up with their kids and, you know, seeing them grow up and Christmas cards and all of that kind of stuff. There was a connect, always continued with the connect. And I could tell you this, that if they walked in this room today or if I walked into the room that they, that they were, it would be just like, hey, we left each other 14 years ago and it'd be like walking back in, hugs, love, and just picking it right up where you, where you walk. You got people like that, you know? Are those not generally brothers and sisters in Christ that you know? Because there's a bond, there's a connection between us that, puts a, that separates us from the ways of this world, but it should give us the reason why we go back into the world. Because they can't have those kind of deep connections. That love life is not there. 
So if that love life is not there, then those bonds, those eternal bonds cannot be there. My bond with Paul and Liz is not just within the flesh of these bodies. It's an eternal bond. We shall be together as brothers and sisters in Christ in heaven. Eternally. I will never be able to get rid of Ed. Ed will always be with me. Isn't that right, Ed? Amen? Ed is never going to be able to leave me, are you, Ed? That's right. It's an eternal bond that we have. Catch this. Romans chapter 8. But in all these things we are overwhelmingly conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced, Paul saying this, that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor heights nor depths nor any other created thing will be able to what? Say this with me. Separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Y'all are stuck with me. The moment that you walked in here and we connected as brothers and sisters in Christ, got nowhere to go and nowhere to hide. We are bound and bonded together because we are believers and followers of the same Lord. But we sure don't act like it. We sure don't act like it. And that's what the world sees. The world sees our discord with one another. And they say, how can this happen? We can't let it happen. Paul says right there in that passage, in chapter 8 of Romans, nothing, nothing, nothing can separate us from God. But I can tell you this. Our dislikes, our selfishness can separate our bonds with each other. God the Father gives us love. Our life is found in Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit keeps us glued together. Without the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we will become selfish. And when we become selfish, we allow the, my things to be more important than the greater things of God. We break our bonds without the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Do you get the full person of the Trinity I've given you this morning in love? God the Father gives us love because He is love. It comes to us through our acceptance of, and following as a disciple of Jesus Christ. And then the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in us keeps us bonded together, gets us past all of our personalities, gets us past all of our eccentricities, gets us past the things of ourselves, and gets us to look on others first. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's the trick. When Jesus came, he would always take us a step further. What's the step further? Love your neighbor as yourself. That's the extra mile. That's the greater blessing.
that's also love somebody this week tell them you love them show them you love them have an attitude of love and it'll make a difference not because Tim promises but because God promises let's go to the Lord in prayer Father we thank you so much for the gifts that we've been given in the life and the blessings which you bestowed upon us Father, I praise you for all that you've done in and through our lives. Father, I just ask now that in these moments, the stillness of this, that, Father, that we'll get our hearts right. We get our hearts right with with you. We get our hearts right with each other. Father, I pray for our attitudes so that our actions might be that which would be godly, that we might walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we've been called because, Father, we are prayed up. And, Father... We are filled up. Strengthen us this day. We love you and thank you so much for the love that you have for us and have demonstrated to us. These things we ask now in the name, the precious name of Christ Jesus, our Savior and Lord. Amen.